Well, good morning. So, Dan, thank you for um, the introduction. And I want to take a little longer to introduce myself uh, using some names that I've been given and some titles that I hold. So, uh, the first name or title is Son. Son to Cam and Kay McIntosh. And then brother to Dan and Pete and Susan and Lisa. Brother-in-law to a number, including Terry. Uh, Sunday school kid uh, in the nursery and over here and upstairs. Uh, Full-time student for many, many, many years. Uh, camp cook uh, for several years, a young life camp up the coast. Uh, grad student, a youth pastor, pastor, dopey, love-struck fiancé to Sarah. Dad. To Anna and Christopher and Trevor and, and Patrick, uncle to a number, son-in-law to John and Martha, and now this weird title, retired, <laughs> still try to get used to that one. Names and titles uh, communicate uh, who a person is. And this morning we're going to look at a name, a title uh, for Jesus that we particularly want to focus our, our sights on in this season. It's a powerful name. It's a, it's a powerful title, a wonderful name. And it's actually a name that makes all the difference for each of us in our lives. And the name, of course, is Savior. So I wanted to introduce us to this name from the Christmas story by dipping very briefly into a passage that Dan is actually going to preach from on Christmas Eve, so I apologize. I'm only going to take just a little snippet. Um, I, I'm just going to steal one phrase, uh, but it's the initial announcement of the angels uh, to those um, unsuspecting shepherds outside Bethlehem on that night. It was such a humdrum night, such a mundane night so very ordinary until it exploded into extraordinariness and became one of the central moments in all history. And they looked up and they saw an angel and they're absolutely quaking in their boots and the angel sought to calm them down as angels often do and said, don't be afraid. And then the angel made this glorious good news announcement. And here it is. It's in Luke 2. Verse 11. We put it up there. Luke 2. There we go. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Now, a Savior obviously is someone who saves, which then clearly implies that we need saving, that we're lost otherwise, that we're without hope otherwise. But a Savior is one who can actually meet us in our need. The Savior is strong enough and able enough and caring enough and focused enough to rescue us in dire circumstance and actually to keep us rescued, to keep us safe from that moment on into eternity. And the fact that this Savior is announced by the very messengers of heaven lets us know that God himself has a vested interest in our rescue. And so, I'd like to suggest that in many ways, this single statement from the angels on that night, in a sense, sums up the whole expanse of Scripture. The God who has created us loves us and values us, and that in the midst of our fallen state, stained by sin, he has sent a Savior 
to rescue us for all eternity. Amen? That's the power in this name, Savior. And so, um, Dan, that's as much as I'm going to steal from your passage. Uh, Having stolen the title from the angel's lips, I want us now to go back to the portion of Scripture that was just read for us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. If you've got your Bibles, you might open it, uh, just to make sure I'm not steering you wrong. But there are two names given to Jesus in this passage which help us to understand that announcement that's going to be made later by the angels just outside Bethlehem. Both these names are given before that announcement, and they're given to a man who really, by all rights, should have just been a bit player in the story. But the sovereign Lord draws him right into the center of things. And the man, of course, is Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary. So we have two accounts of Jesus' birth in the four Gospels, one in Luke's Gospel and one here in Matthew. Luke, it seems, uh, draws his information uh, mostly from Mary. Uh, it, It seems very likely that he sat down and had an extensive interview with her, and he draws from her story as he unfolds uh, the birth narrative. But Matthew approaches it differently. He gives us the story, same story, but from Joseph's point of view. (laughs) So Joseph was the love-struck fiancé. He was betrothed, but not yet married. He was patiently awaiting his marriage to marry. In that culture, in that time, uh, betrothal uh, typically was for a whole year, and it was much, much more weighty, much more binding than engagement is today. Uh, Betrothal actually was legally binding, And if the betrothal was to be broken, then you actually had to go through the legal process of divorce. The commitment is made. Joseph is eager and waiting. And then he discovers that Mary is pregnant. Did she tell him? Did it just become obvious physically? We don't know. But Joseph having discovered, is shocked and devastated, winded. His hopes and dreams are dashed, and rightly he decides that he needs to break off the betrothal and divorce Mary. But being an honorable man, he decides he's not going to do it publicly, he's going to do it privately, just before two witnesses. And having gone through this tumultuous day, rocked by the news, Stressed by the decision, I think he fell asleep that night exhausted. And then everything gets turned around. For an angel appears to him in the dream, and this is what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. (laughs) There's that line again the angels always use. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. So in other words, God is in this. This is God's doing. It's not Mary's mistake. It's not uh, the overpowering work of some random man somewhere. No, this conception has come about by God's own purpose, by an overshadowing presence of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God himself. And Joseph will get up in the morning and take the angel at his word, and he will take Mary home to be his wife. Why? 
because this is God's doing. God's in it. But there's more. The angel has a name that Joseph is to give to the son. And this is how the angel continues. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus is the same as the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua. It was the name of that great Old Testament leader who ended up succeeding Moses as the leader of God's people. Moses had led the people out of slavery and entrapment in Egypt into the wilderness, and now Joshua leads the people out of the wilderness into the promised land. And you'll remember they, they came to the, the city of Jericho and the great battle of Jericho, and they surrounded the city at God's command. They marched around it for seven days. They blew trumpets and they shouted, and then the walls, as the spiritual song says, came a-tumbling down. And he delivered a mighty victory to the people of God. It's the same name. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. The name itself actually literally means Yahweh, the Lord, saves. Or as Michael Green, who taught for many years at Regent, liked to say, it means God to the rescue. I like that. That's who this baby is. God to the rescue. And why? What are the circumstances? Why is rescue needed? Why do the people need to be saved? Well, because they're trapped in sin. Jesus, in his adult years, would later say, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Ouch. The Apostle Paul, years later, would say, the wages of sin is death. Ouch. It's a desperate situation for every single person. We all desperately need to be saved. We cannot rescue ourselves. We are stuck, trapped, without a Savior. But now the Savior has come. So let's consider together the implications of this statement. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the first implication has to do with the fact that Savior is actually an incredibly high designation because Savior is what the Lord God Almighty himself is called throughout the Old Testament. So give a look and give a listen as we just give a quick perusal through the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 22 this is David speaking. He says, the Lord is my rock. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. Later in that same chapter, verse 47, the Lord lives. Praise to my rock. Now, let's go to the next one. The Lord lives. Yeah, there we go. Thanks. Praise to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. Psalm 25, verse 5, guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are God my... Amen. Psalm 32. Come quickly to help me, O Lord my... Savior. Now listen to the Lord God Almighty himself speaking through the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah 43. And he says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your... Later in the same chapter, he goes on and says this. I, even I, am the Lord... Apart from me, there is no... 
Apart from me, there is no Savior. And then in Hosea chapter 13, he says, But I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. So the first power-packed implication is that this child who is to be born of Mary is God himself. You see, the angels knew there is no Savior except the Lord God Almighty. And yet, unabashedly, joyously, wondrously, they announced to the shepherds, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. And the angel says to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so if this baby is a Savior, then the baby is God which spills over into the second title that is in this passage, which means God with us. See, God has come to be a Savior. And if the Savior is here, He is God Himself. And we're going to come back to that second title in just a moment. But the second implication from this title, Jesus, is that we need to be saved. So we as a family moved out to Abbotsford about 13 plus years ago now. Uh, A year or two in, I did something that I had never done before, which was go on an ATV excursion, all-terrain vehicle excursion with those two wheels in the back and one in the front or however it is, maybe two in the back and two in the front. It it was the first time I'd ever done it. It actually was the last time I ever did it. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing, uh, but I actually had a pretty good ride. It was kind of fun uh, until we, we, we went out to Cultus Lake and up the Vetter Mountain, and it was spectacular. It was beautiful. And it was all good fun until we started coming down this very steep, uh, very rocky trail, which I think was something like an old creek bed. And there were several guys in front of me on their ATVs and several guys behind me. And I just followed on along. And I went over, which these other guys had, over this big boulder, which was fine, until the undercarriage of my ATV caught on the boulder and sent me flipping end over end down the trail. The guy behind me later told me that my ATV tumbled over top of me. I don't quite remember what happened at that point, but the guys I was with came to my rescue. They made sure I was okay. They helped me catch my breath. They got me back on my feet, and we proceeded down the mountain. Uh, Partway down, we stopped, and there's a picture of me, which I've still got a little later, um, taking a breath, sitting on the ground, um, looking pretty dusty and mud-covered and bedraggled and stunned. And that group of guys rescued me. The rescue this baby will bring is infinitely more weighty. Name him Jesus, the angel said, because he will save his people from their sins. So sin throws us for a tumble. Throws us for a tumble now. We've all experienced it. But the tumble, unfortunately, tragically extends into all eternity. It is a massive tumble from which we will never, ever recover on our own. And the weight of it presses on us unceasingly. We need a hand up. We need a rescue. We need a savior. That's who this child is. And the third implication 
though it's not really an implication, it's just really a point to note, has to do with who this applies to. The angel said he will save his people from their sins. Now, in the first instance, Joseph knew exactly who that was referring to. It was referring to the people of Israel exclusively. And Jesus himself would later say that I came for the lost sheep of Israel. But at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew, one of the closing things he does in his gospel is report these closing words of Jesus as he sends his disciples into the whole world to share the message of salvation. And so salvation is for his people in every nation, in all time, in all space, all who will respond to the invitation of salvation. You're to give them the name Jesus, the angel said, because he will save his people from their sins. And so the question that rings out to us, each one, from the Christmas story, once again, is, are you saved? Have you received the gift that God from heaven himself has come to give? Are you counted among his people because you have experienced his rescue? And if that question grabs you, I I want you to let it keep on grabbing you. And we're going to take some time to pray in just a few minutes. I'll give you the opportunity to just say yes to the gift in the quiet of your own heart. But there's another name uh, also in this text which provides the basis for salvation and then the fruit of the salvation. And so it comes in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Uh, it's not actually clear in the Greek text whether this is to be taken as a further statement from the angel or whether it is just the editorial comment of Matthew at this point. But either way, it ties right in with what we've been looking at. This is what the text says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I'm going to give you a little brief uh, Hebrew lesson this morning. I took a year's worth of uh, Hebrew at Regent, and I've forgotten almost all of it, but I do remember this little bit. Uh, The word that is translated into English, with, is represented by two letters in Hebrew, as it is in English, transliteration. Uh, It's im, I am. Just means with. And if you want to say with me, you add a particular ending. If I want to say with you, I add a different ending. With him, with her, we add a different ending. If you want to say with us, the ending you add is anu. So im, anu, means with us. And L is the word that means God. Immanuel is with us, God. See, that's who this baby is. And because he is God, come to be with us, he is mighty enough to be able to be the one who will save his people from their sins. And when we are saved, 
And when the barrier of unforgiven sin has been removed completely, then we are able to be drawn near to God, actually being able to, to be drawn into the experience of knowing Him as Emmanuel, God with us. And so Emmanuel is the basis of our salvation. He's able to save. And as we are saved, we are drawn into this experience of Him being Emmanuel, God with us. He who is the Savior has come so that we might know Him. That's the point. And this is the gift. This is the gift of the Christmas season, that we might know Him and experience Him and enter into that relationship more and more and more fully. So, very simply, there are two responses this morning that I want to give you the opportunity to enter into. The first is, if you've never before received the salvation that Jesus brings, you need to understand that this story is for you. It's about you. God has sent a Savior for you. He is God Himself. And you receive it really by doing three things. You acknowledge that you are a sinner. I have need. I need you. You acknowledge that you trust him, that he is able. Through his death on the cross, he's taken all your sin and its punishment on himself and dealt with it. And thirdly, you receive him as Savior, as Lord in the heart of your life. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity in a moment when we pray, just in the quiet of your own heart, to pray those three affirmations. I need you. I believe you are able I receive you as my Savior. And secondly, if you already know Jesus as your Savior, perhaps for a week or two, perhaps for years and years, know again that He has come to save us that we might actually be with Him. He with us and us with Him. He wants us to know Him, and to know Him better and better and better. He's come as Emmanuel. And so I want to invite you, if you know Jesus as Savior, as Lord in your life already, I want to invite you in this Advent season to take this passage seriously by praying a prayer again and again and again during this Advent season over the next three weeks. And here's the simple four-word prayer. And just to go with a little pun, the four-word prayer can lead you forward in your relationship with Him. You got it? Remember? Four words. Emmanuel, I welcome you. And I would like to invite you and urge you, as soon as you remember it, any morning that you get up, to pray it. Emmanuel, I welcome you. And then pause. And just pause and receive his presence. And then consciously step into the rest of your day with him. And then as you go through the day and you remember again, pray it again. Emmanuel, I welcome you. And pause and receive and step into walking further. And later again, as many times as you remember through the day, just refresh the prayer. Emmanuel, I welcome you. 
And I invite you to step more deeply in this season into relationship with the Lord who has so loved us. He has come to rescue us so that we might be in ever-deepening relationship with him. So let's join together now in prayer. And I'm going to lead first in a prayer for anyone who for the first time, whether here this morning or online with us, would like to pray and say, yes, Lord Jesus, in this season, I need you. I believe that you are able, and I receive you as Savior in my life. And then I'm going to pray for the rest of us to keep on walking more and more deeply in relationship with him. So let's pray. And so, Lord, I want to lead now in a prayer for any who, in the quiet of their own heart, would choose to pray this and welcome you to be Savior. And so we would say, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm trapped in sin. I need you. And secondly, I believe. I believe you are able. I believe that on the cross you took all of my sin and its punishment on yourself so that I could be rescued, and I receive. I receive now you as my Savior and as my Lord. And let me just pause to interject in the prayer. If you prayed that this morning for the first time here, make sure you tell someone. Come and tell me. Tell the person you've come with. Uh, If you're online, make sure that you uh, tell someone. Email the church here and just say, I prayed that prayer today. Let's continue praying. And so, Lord, now I want to come myself and come with brothers and sisters here to say, would you please, by your Spirit, prompt us in this Advent season to press in more closely with you by taking this simple forward prayer and making it our own again and again and again. Emmanuel, I welcome you. So waken us in the morning. Waken our consciousness Uh, Draw us into the prayer. Draw us into uh, waiting and receiving. Draw us into walking in you. And prompt us again and again to keep praying. And dear Lord Jesus, we pray that in the process, we would know you better and better. Thank you that you are the Savior, the one who is saved. And you long for us to be with you even as you are with us. We pray it to your glory in your name. Amen. Amen.